Well, throughout this series, if you haven't been here, uh, we've been talking about the fact that we can't control uh, how long we live, but the good news is we can control how much we live. Uh, we can't control how many days we get in our life, but we can control how much life we put in our days. And so if you've not been here, today we're gonna wrap up this series. You can go online, you can catch all the previous weeks there. Uh, but today we're gonna kind of end things where we started it by talking about Moses. Uh, Moses, a guy who taught us to pray a really important prayer, a prayer that can actually change uh, the way that we think. And, and here's the prayer that he gave us. He said, teach us to number our days that that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And Moses said, if you will start praying this way, it will change the way you think about how you live your life. Because every single day is like a marble. Uh, we may get, if we're average, 28,000 marbles. Uh, but today you got a marble and uh, you get to decide what you do with it. You get to decide whether you live it or you get to decide whether you waste it. Uh, you get to decide entirely how much life you will put into this marble, this gift called today. Because you know, you know already, you knew before this series started, you're going to remember far after the series is over that you can't control how long you live. You know that to be true, but you can control how much you live. Uh, I wish it were true that we could control how much or how long we live, but it's just not, you know, the fact. We're, we're reminded of this all the time. Uh, the person, you know, who does things right, you know, exercises right. They're always exercising. Every time you bump into them, they're sweaty. And it's like, well, what are you doing? I just got through working out. Well, wow, I thought you worked out this morning. I saw it on Instagram. Like, it was like four o'clock in the morning, wasn't it, that you worked out today and like, oh yeah, but I do it two a day. I do it two a day. And you know, they got their bottle of water, jug of water, bucket of water uh, that they carry around because they're getting all their hydration. I mean, they're so hydrated. I mean, basically th there's wet spots when they walk. It it's incredible. They're so hydrated. They, 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 you know, they just, they nibble on, you know, lettuce and nuts and, and, and they're so not stressed because they handle everything well. And, and it's that person. But then one day you hear they're dead. What? but they're dead before they're supposed to be dead. And then there's the person in our life that just, they Big Mac it through life. It's like a Whopper. They don't even go junior Whopper, it's full on Whopper. And they supersize fries, shake, they smoke too much, they drink too much. They're just, they're just a big ball of stress. They're full of anxiety. They don't, they don't even know what the word exercise means. That they get frustrated when they can't find the remote and they walk around the living room. And, and it's just, and then they live forever. Now that doesn't always happen and most of the time that's not what happens, but it happens enough to remind us we don't control how much, you know, how long we live, but we do control how much we live. And, and Moses said that if we wake up every day and we count our days, then our days will begin to count because we will begin to live life in such a way that we're aware of death and being aware of death will inspire us to live. Focusing on death will bring clarity to life. It will actually put more life into your day if you think that this could be the last day for you. And so Moses says to anyone who will listen, this is a prayer you need to pray. You need to be aware that this could be your last marble. And if it was your last marble, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to live or are you going to waste it? And so Moses said, when we pray this way and we think this way, not only are we inspired to live, but he also says something that's really important. He says, we are equipped to live that we are equipped to live today in the best way possible. He says that when we count our days, we get this thing called wisdom. And wisdom is this thing that helps us know how to best spend our day, how to best live today, what to do, what not to do, and how to do and how not to do it. 
That wisdom is this thing that allows us to leverage the best means possible to the absolute best end possible. That's, that's wisdom. Wisdom is saying yes to the right things and no to the wrong things. Wisdom is living life with skill, that you're good at life, right? You're not clumsy with life. You know, you don't neglect life, but you are skillful with life. You live life well. Let me ask you a question. We can all vote on this, showing of hands. How many of you here in this room, there in Somerset, watching online, wherever you are, would say, hey, I wanna be good at life? Just raise up hand, go ahead, go ahead. Those of you who are not raising your hands, you're liars. You're absolute liars, and, and, and you should raise your hand. It's like a form of exercise, all right? And, and it may, may be the only thing that you get today, but, but we all wanna live life well. No matter what stage of life we're in, nobody wants to be bad at life. We wanna be good at life. We wanna take the marble that we're given called today because we can't undo yesterday to some extent and we can't you know, predict whether we're gonna get one tomorrow for sure or not. So the only thing that I have is today. So I wanna leverage all the best means possible today so that I can take a step towards the best in possible. That's wisdom. But, but here, here's wisdom in the sense of what we're gonna deal with today and what we're gonna talk about today and this is where we're gonna end the series. Wisdom is so much bigger and so much better than just saying yes to the right things and know the wrong things and knowing how to do and how not to do. Here's wisdom. Wisdom helps me and wisdom helps you. Wisdom helps me see how the parts of my life are connected to the purpose of my life. That's what wisdom helps us do. It, it helps us see how interconnected the parts of our life are to the point of our life or the purpose of our life. Uh, every single one of us here, uh, whether we believe so or not, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, uh, whether you consider yourself a church person or not, uh, you need to know something about us Jesus followers. We believe that every single person, whether they believe in Jesus or they don't believe in Jesus, we believe that every single person is born with this right here, with purpose. We believe that every single person is born with a purpose. We believe as Jesus followers, and we believe that the scripture teaches us that we are created by God, that we are fearfully and wonderfully created by God. And we believe as Christians, we believe that the scripture teaches us that we are created by God on purpose and for a purpose, that you are here where you are today. You are alive as you are today on purpose. It is not accidental, it is not incidental that you are alive today. There is a purpose behind you being alive today. You were created on purpose for purpose. That's what we believe as Jesus followers. It doesn't matter whether you were your parents' accident, you were not God's accident. God knew you, God loved you before you were born. He loved you. He loved you before you had the chance to do anything wrong. He knew all the good, bad, and the ugly before you ever were, and he decided that he loved you, and he loved you with a love that would never end. You were created on purpose for a purpose, that at the heart of your life, at the core of your existence, there is this thing that is called purpose, and it's important, and it's strategic, and it's vital. And we believe that Jesus taught his followers and all the followers that would come after the first followers of Jesus what this purpose looked like in every single day of our lives. Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, okay, there's two anchors which basically comprise your purpose. Right, we call them the great commandment and the great commission. Jesus said, if you wanna know what the purpose for your life is, if you wanna know what the point of your life right now is, because you're alive on purpose. If you're breathing, if you're thinking, if you're able to exist, if you're able to engage in life right now, 
You have purpose and there's a purpose behind it. And Jesus said, mainly it is to love God, love people, and not only love people, but to love those people as you love yourself. And then Jesus would take it up a whole nother level when he would say, I want you to love those around you as I, Jesus, have loved you. So as I have loved you, I want you as my follower to go love the people in your life the way that I have loved you. Because by this one thing will everybody know that you are a disciple of me. It's not how much of the Bible that you can recite. It's not how much good theology that you have. And none of those two things are bad in and of themselves. But he said, that's not the one thing that will people will notice you as far as being my follower concerning. He says, people are going to know that you're a follower of me because you love other people. And he says, that is always the point and the purpose of your life. So when you are given a marble... And here you are, you, you, have, you have, you know, showed up, you've existed today for, you know, a few hours since you got out of bed and, and this is your day, this is your marble. And he said, no matter what happens in this day, no matter what today throws at you, God's purpose for your life is to love him and to love others and to love others as he has loved you. So if somebody does you wrong, you love them. If somebody does you wrong, you forgive them. If somebody didn't and they were supposed to or someone did and they should have never, whatever it is, he says, the point and the purpose of your life is to love me and to express your love for me by loving those around you in the same way that I have loved you. And he said, that's the point and the purpose of today's marble. And then he said, there's something else. He, he took his disciples outside the city of Jerusalem. He started ascending back to his father in heaven and Jesus said, okay, I've told you about that whole love God and love your neighbors yourself thing. But I want you to go. I want you to go and I want you to understand that the rest of your life, there is a purpose to it here on earth. And that the purpose of your life and for your life as a Jesus follower is to go make other followers of Jesus, to go influence others to follow Jesus. Jesus would say, I want you as Jesus followers to go tell other people who are far from God, about how I showed up onto the pages of history, that I died for the sins of the world, I was buried, I was raised from the dead, so that the world could have eternal life after death and extraordinary life before death. And I want you to go teach other people what I have taught you. I want you to go get to know people who are far from God. And I want you to let them know that they can have a restored relationship with their creator, their heavenly father, and that everything they need to do has been done by Jesus, that the only thing they need to do to be right with God is to believe in his son and what he did for them. And Jesus said, that's your purpose. It is to love God, love your neighbor, and to make disciples, to use your influence, to be salt and light. He said, that's the purpose of your life. So if you're a Jesus follower, Jesus couldn't have been more clear. If you're not a Jesus follower, you're, you're made on purpose and for a purpose. And you may have not got to that place yet where you've embraced that for your life personally. But as Jesus followers, we believe it's true for you as well. But if you do follow Jesus, Jesus didn't mix words. He said, that's, that's the point. That's the purpose of your life. But here, here's what happens. We all have purpose, but we also have all the parts of our life, right? We, we all have the parts of our life and, and those could be as numerous. I, I just didn't have enough space to put all the things that we could put up there. But I've got parts, I've got my family. You know, the whole money thing, got to make money, got to spend money, got to invest money, got to retire one day, you got to do all of that, got to have a job. There's career, you know, you got to do that. That's part of your life. You got extracurriculars, you've got yours, I've got mine. Gifts, talents, hobbies, things we're good at, things we excel at, you know, that's part of our life. Friends, right? You know, we've, some of us got more friends than others, but we have friends. And those are all the parts of our life. 
And all the parts of our life are very important. I'm a husband, that's an important thing. I am a father, that is an important thing. I have to work to make money. My wife works to make money. We're trying to save for retirement. We're trying to save for kids, you know, all this kind of stuff. I have a career. I'm a pastor, but that's my career. So I show up to the office like many of you show up to an office. That's what I do for a living. Extracurriculars, you know, we were soccer field on Saturday. We'll be there again on Tuesday. We'll be there again on Thursday. So I have my extracurriculars. I've got things I just like to do, things I feel like I'm good at and things that, you know, just, they're just enjoyable to me. I got lots of friends. Sometimes I got more friends than I feel like I can service. And, and you know, I, I, I just have lots of friends. And if you don't watch out, and if I don't watch out, we will begin to confuse the parts of our life with the purpose of our life. I am a father, but it is not the point and the purpose of my life. It is a part of my life. I am a husband, but it is not the point and the purpose of my life. I have a job. I am a pastor. I am a leader. I lead a local church but it is not the point and the purpose of my life. I make money, I spend it like you, I try to save it like you, but it's not the point and the purpose of my life. I got things I have to do after work, got things I have to do on Saturdays, but it's not the point and the purpose of my life, and so on and so forth. If we don't watch out, all the parts of our life will begin to be confused with the point of our life or the purpose of our life. And it's the parts of our life, which is where the stress comes from. It's the parts of our life is where the fatigue comes from and the frustration comes from. And a lot of us are so fatigued and so frustrated, we just feel like failures. We feel like failures as moms and dads. We feel like failures as men and women. We feel like failures in our career. We feel like failures, you know, all the way around. We're so fatigued, we're so frustrated. We just feel like failures. We're trying to keep up with all the parts of our life. And it seems like the longer we live, the more parts of our life that we're trying to service. And it's the parts of our life that require the energy, that require the effort, which require the attention, it seems like. And all of a sudden, because everything is spinning and we have so many different plates we're trying to juggle and balance, what happens is the point and the purpose of our life is replaced by the pace of our life. And all of a sudden, everything is all about the parts. It's all about the pace to keep up with the parts. And we're running at such a breakneck speed, we're to the red and to the max on everything. All of a sudden, the parts of our life are the only thing in our life. We're not thinking about our purpose. We're not thinking about the point of our life. Only thing we can think about is the pace of our life. Somebody asks us, how are you doing? We don't say well, we don't say good. We just say, we're busy. I'm just trying to keep up, I'm busy. And now all of a sudden, once upon a time, we heard that there was purpose for our life, but we don't think about purpose. We don't wake up thinking, oh my goodness, I've got a day today. And there's a point to today. There's a purpose to today. The only thing that I can think about are all the parts of my life and the pace of which all the parts of my life now require to keep up with the parts of my life. And now all of a sudden I'm existing without purpose. Now all of a sudden I'm holding today's marble in my hand and today's marble doesn't feel like there's any purpose in it. There's just pace. And now all of a sudden my pace has overtaken my purpose. We're just so busy. We're so busy we don't think about what does a Jesus follower do as a dad? We're so busy we don't think about what a Jesus follower does as a husband. We're so busy we're not thinking about what does a Jesus follower do as an employee or an employer. We're so busy we don't think about, hey, I'm at the soccer field Saturday. What does that mean as it relates to my purpose. No, we're, we're so busy and I just have to be there and I got to get there on time. And then as soon as it's over, there's something else that has to be done. And all of a sudden my pace has overtaken my purpose. 
And in my pace, I'm fatigued, I'm frustrated, I feel like a failure, I'm overwhelmed, but I'm underperforming. We're busier than ever in this country, but we're working less than we ever have. It's a fact. We're as busy as we have ever been, but we work less in this country than we did 30 years ago. We work more hours per week 30 years ago than what we work today. We're working less, but we're busier than ever. And you know what that means? We are choosing this lifestyle. We are choosing to live like this. This was not made for us. We were not given this, we chose this. We created this, we were the architects of this. We saw someone else doing life like this, so we started doing life like this. And all of a sudden, we adopted a lifestyle that we were never created to have. And all of a sudden, we adopted habits, and we adopted schedules, and we spent our time in such a way that it began to cause us to neglect the purpose and the point of our lives. So we're choosing this. Psychologists now have, uh, I learned something studying for this message. That's always a good thing. And uh, you want your pastor to learn something. And I, I learned something that psychologists have termed uh, a new thing that exists in our culture. It's called idleness aversion. Idleness aversion. That we are actually scared not to have, we're, we're scared to have you know, anything other than this kind of lifestyle. That, that basically we have an aversion to sitting still. We have an aversion to sitting in silence. Because when we sit in silence and when we're still you know, long enough to think, we tend to think about things that really matter. And we tend to think about ourselves and we tend to evaluate ourselves and we tend to think about what we're doing with our life and all of those type of you know, introspection and you know, those reflective thoughts. And we don't like that, it makes us uncomfortable. So we would rather be busy than to have to think about those types of things. We'd rather be busy than have to think about what we're doing or not doing with our life. I've, I've made jokes about nerve pills all throughout this series about you know, you know, ask the person beside of you for a nerve pill, but basically what psychologists are saying, we are using our pace to medicate ourselves. We are using our pace so that we don't have to feel what we don't want to feel. That we are using our pace so that we don't have to think about what we don't want to think about that we're getting caught up in this rat race called pace, servicing all the parts of our life, forgetting about the purpose of our life so that we don't have to really deal with the stuff that we don't wanna deal with. Because now busyness is, it's like honor, it's like a status. Nobody gets on Facebook or Instagram and just, you know, they say, hey, here I am doing nothing. Just chilling, just hanging. No, it's all about the parts of our life. It's here, we're there trying to keep up, so busy. And it's honor, it's status. Because we think if you're not busy, you're lazy. You're not doing something right if you're not so busy. If you have idle time, if you have time to sit and to think and to reflect, well, there's something wrong with you. The idea being don't be so busy with the pace of your life, tending to all the parts of your life that you neglect the purpose of your life. So if you're here and you feel like, hey, you're just trying to keep up. You feel like, hey, I'm tired, I'm frustrated, I'm fatigued, I kind of feel like a failure, then today's for you. If you're here and you kind of feel like, yeah, that's me, my pace has overtaken my purpose. My pace has caused me to neglect my purpose. And now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, I feel like the parts of my life has been disconnected from the purpose of my life. The purpose of my life is not connected to the parts of my life. 
The parts of my life are not so that the purpose of my life can be expressed and embraced and lived out. No, those are two separate things now. And pace has overtaken purpose. Then today is for you. If you feel like all you're doing are the parts of your life, but the purpose of your life is something you just don't wake up and ever think about, then today's for you. If you feel like, hey, maybe I've been living my life without purpose, then today is for you. And I'm glad you're here and I'm glad I'm here because I hope we learn something today that may change the rest of our lives. Because some of us have been too busy to pull up a chair and sit around the table with our family and just have dinner. We eat dinner in the car. We eat dinner in the parking lot of the ball field. We send dinner with them to school because, hey, you're gonna have to eat after school. You got so much going on. We don't sit around the table anymore. I mean, can you imagine? Some of us have to get there and say, hello, Allison. Shepherd Grayson, hello. Nice to meet you, I'm your father. <laughs> We're going to talk. Why? Because. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna put aside our phones, our iPads. We're gonna cut off the television. We're gonna put them in the technology basket. <laughs> and we're gonna talk to each other. But most of us are too busy to even think about doing that. Some of us are too busy to ever think about praying. Some of us are too busy to ever think about opening up the scriptures and reading about the scriptures. Some of us are too busy to ever think about building a relationship with somebody who's far from God. So, some of us are so busy, we don't have time to influence people who don't have faith and who you know, are not interested in church. No, we don't have time for that because we got the parts of our life and the pace of our life. We're not thinking about the purpose of our life. Moses, who gave us this prayer to number our days, he was in a similar situation. He got caught up in the pace and he was neglecting his purpose. And he learned an incredible lesson which changed the rest of his life. It changed his life as a father and it changed his wife. You can say it changed his wife, perhaps it did, but it changed his life as a husband to his wife. It just changed everything. Moses, if you don't know anything about him, he was the guy who led the Exodus and he, he went down to Pharaoh and God you know, showed up, showed out and he ended up leading the nation of Israel out of slavery. And then after they leave, leave Egypt, they go to Mount Sinai, this mountain, and there God's gonna give them laws because th this was a group of people that were slaves, but now they're free and they don't really know how to be free. So they've gotta have rules and they've gotta have regulations and, and they've gotta have laws to govern over themselves. So it's a challenge being free. Being free is not always easy. Being free comes with a lot of responsibility and they just didn't know how to be free yet. And so they're camping at Mount Sinai for four months. When Jethro, Moses' father-in-law shows up, bringing Moses' wife and his kids back because apparently Moses had sent his wife and kids away during the whole drama with Pharaoh because things could get dangerous and he wasn't for sure what was gonna happen. And so Jethro, his father-in-law is bringing back Moses' wife and his kids. So when Jethro gets back and Moses greets him and Moses says, man, I've got a story to tell you what's been going on since we last saw each other. And, you know, of course, Moses sees his wife and undoubtedly they embrace and his kids and, you know, hugs them up. And he says, Jethro, let me tell you what's happened. He tells him the whole story with Pharaoh and the plagues and how God rescued the nation of Israel from slavery. And he tells him all of that. And Jethro is so proud. He's so excited. He's like, great job, Moses. And, and he, you know, glorifies God because of it and says, God is good. You know, wow this is incredible. God's done something amazing getting through you, Moses. And so they stay up late talking, having coffee and, you know, having dinner together. And then the next day, then the next day, Moses begins to do what Moses has been doing. And Moses jumps right back into the normal pace of his life 
And here's, here's what the scriptures say. It says, the next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. As they stood around him from morning till evening, morning till evening, here, here's a bunch of needy people, three to five million of them. I mean, imagine that. Imagine being the leader, like, like the solo leader at this point of three to five million people. You don't have an entourage. You don't have a posse that keeps them away from you. No, you're like camping right there with them, three to five million of them. And they're needy. They're former slaves. They don't know how to govern themselves. Now they're free. And now, you know, there's all this drama. And do you know what is the most exhausting thing in the world? Drama, drama at home, drama at work, drama wherever drama is, drama is just, it is absolutely exhausting. And there's a lot of drama in the camp and people are coming to Moses. Moses, what should we do about this? They camp too close to me, their tent smells. You know, they stole my chicken, they killed my chicken. You know, what are you gonna do? What, what, what should we do, Moses? Tell us, tell us, we don't know what to do. Morning to evening, it just didn't stop. All these parts. One person after the other, morning till evening, morning till evening. And that's the pace of Moses' life. This is what he's doing every day. He's needed and he loves being needed, right? Some of us, we love to be needed. We love to think our kids need us more than they actually need us. We love to think that we're just so needed. We are strategic, we are, we are integral to everything, you know. He, he just loves to be needed. He, he, you know, he, he kind of likes all this, even though it's just one person after the other, one person after the other. And it says, when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all of these people stand around you from morning till evening? In other words, Jethro walks out there. And Jethro sees something about Moses' life that Moses could not see in his own life. Jethro could see something about the way that Moses was doing something that Moses could not see about how he was doing something. Moses was blind, but Jethro, he walks out and he's like watching Moses all day long, one person after the other. Moses is sitting there meeting all these people needs, spinning all these plates and Jethro's like, okay, I have a question. What are you doing and why are you doing it that way? What are you doing and why are you doing it that way? I think that's a question all of us need to entertain. So let, let's imagine Jethro just talking to us for a moment and he looks at you and he looks at your family, he looks at your schedule, he looks at all you're doing. And he says, what are you doing and why are you doing it that way? What are you doing and why are you doing it that way? Have you even stopped to think about what you're doing and why you're doing it the way you're doing it? Or are you just so much in the pace with the parts that you're not even thinking about what you're doing or why you're doing it the way you're doing it? Because Jethro could see what Moses was doing and Moses couldn't see it. Jethro saw something that Moses couldn't see. And you know, all of us need a Jethro. All of us need a friend. All of us need someone from the outside because if you're expecting yourself to be aware of everything going on in your life, it's not gonna happen. If you expect you're never gonna have a blind spot that you're always gonna be the one who knows best and figures it out best for you, you're kidding yourself. Because you can't see the picture when you are part of the picture. It takes someone outside the picture to see the entire picture of which you are a part and they can see what you can't see. And so Jethro says, what are you doing and why are you doing it that way? Well, Moses answered and said, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a problem, whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me 
and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Well, Jethro, you asked the question, I've got an answer because most always we have a good excuse for doing things the way we do them. We almost always have good rationalization and good justification for doing what we do. We seldom give bad excuses. We always have well-rehearsed excuses. And Moses even brought God into it, which makes it even better. Jethro, this is about God. This is about his will. This is about who else can do what I can do. I'm the guy. No one else was there at the burning bush. I was at the burning bush. No one went toe-to-toe with Pharaoh except for me. So who else can do what I have to do? This is, I'm trying to serve these people. I'm trying to help these people. And he had a good excuse. But Jethro sees what Moses can't. And Moses' father-in-law replied, what you're doing is not good. And that had to sting a little bit. That had to hurt a little bit. And it wasn't that the parts of what Moses had got busy doing were necessarily bad, but what he was doing and how he was doing it was not good. It wasn't good because his pace had started overtaking his purpose. And Jethro, he looks at Moses and says, man, what you're doing and how you're doing it is not good. It's not good at all. It's not good at all. And basically, here's what I think Jethro was saying. Moses, don't confuse urgent with important. Moses, don't confuse urgent with important. All these people keep coming to you and it feels urgent. It feels urgent to them. It's an emergency for them. It's a crisis for them. It is not a crisis for you, Moses. Just because it feels urgent doesn't always mean it's important. And I think Jethro would say the same thing to us. Just because it feels urgent, the reason all the parts of our life has created this unsustainable pace in our life is because it all feels urgent. It all, every part feels urgent. If this is your life, if this quadrant is your life, basically this is your life here, things like this, things that are urgent and important. There are things that are gonna be urgent and important, but this is not the rule. This is usually the exception. This is a real crisis. This is an absolute deadline that your boss gives you that you have, you have no control over. This is the pipe broke and your basement is flooding and you've got to take care of it like right now. This is the doctor called and said, I got your results back. This is like urgent and important. It feels urgent and it is important. But then there's also the urgent, but not important, right? It feels urgent, but let's just be honest about it. It is not important. I gotta call him back, I gotta call him back, I gotta call him back. No, you don't. Flip on them. They can do without it. They will survive without hearing from you. Yeah, but they text me, they're gonna get mad. That's because they're a petty jerk. <laughs> right? You know what, it's not, it's not important. It's urgent, it feels urgent, but it's not important. I gotta get there, I gotta go there, I gotta get there. I gotta, it's 7, 7, I gotta get back there about eight. I mean, it just feels urgent. There's a lot of things that feel urgent, but they're just not important. This quadrant often masquerades as that quadrant. It wants us to believe that it's important, but it's not important. It wants to give us a sense that, boy, we're doing something that really matters, but we're really not. Then there's the not urgent and not important. Social media, just the, hey, I'd like to fix that around the house when I get around to it. You know, just, just things that really don't matter. They're time wasters. But then there's, not urgent, but important. 
And this is where it gets challenging. This is exercise. It never feels urgent, but it is important. Very few of us wake up and say, honey, what's wrong? I gotta exercise, I gotta go, I, I gotta do this. I mean, this is pressing, it's, it's 6 a.m., I gotta go. No. Oh God, it's 6 a.m. I'll get to it later. It's not urgent, but it's important. That's praying. Now, praying never feels urgent unless this is going on. But if this is not going on, prayer doesn't feel urgent, but it's important. Reading the scriptures doesn't feel urgent, but it's important. Building relationships with friends, building relationships with people far from God, building relationships with people you can influence, it never feels urgent, but it's important. Thinking. Just time to think doesn't feel urgent, but it's important. Time to plan doesn't feel urgent, but it's important. These things lack emotional urgency, but they are still very much important. Moses was having a difficult time figuring out what was what. He was confusing urgent with important, but urgent is not always important. Sometimes urgent is important, sometimes it's not. So Jethro says, you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. In other words, Moses, you're gonna burn out. You're, you're gonna be like a sinkhole, right? You know a sinkhole? This is a sinkhole right there. You know what causes a sinkhole? The streams beneath the surface begin to dry up. And then when everything becomes so dry, there is a major collapse. That's burnout. There are streams that need to flow into your soul. There are life-giving things that need to flow into your soul. And when the streams of life-giving things are cut off, you dry up, I dry up, and we are headed for a major collapse. And the one thing you don't want to do is become a sinkhole as a dad a sinkhole as a husband, a sinkhole as a follower of Jesus. You don't wanna get so dry that there is a major collapse. You don't wanna do it. You don't wanna get so caught up in pace, you miss your purpose. And that was Jethro's point. Jethro saying to Moses, Moses, if you burn out, if you become that, Moses, who's gonna father your children? Who's gonna father my grandchildren? Who's, who's gonna be a husband to your wife? Who's gonna, who's gonna really be able to take care of these people if, if you burn out? And so Jethro says, listen to me, and I will give you some advice. What every son loves to hear from his father-in-law. What every husband loves to hear from his father-in-law. And may God be with you, he said. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. So the next few verses, leadership folks use this to talk to people in the marketplace about delegation, delegation, delegation. It's ingenious. This is gonna be part of the judicial system of Israel, which other nations, including ours, will bother, borrow principles of their judicial system within ours. And so he's gonna give him some great advice. And so he continues, he says, teach them his decrees and his instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. 
The simple cases, they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. And then Jethro says, if you will do this, if God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain. You'll be able to go the distance. You'll be able to finish well. And all these people will go home satisfied. It'll be good for you and it'll be good for those around you. In other words, here, here's what Jethro was saying. He, he wasn't making a case in, in every sense of delegation because at the home, delegation doesn't always work. Men, you cannot delegate your best friend to be your wife's husband. It never works out. You can't delegate other adults to be the parents of your children. It doesn't work out. So the point that Jethro is making for us in the context of most of our lives is this. Do the important thing. Do the most important thing. Do the thing that only you can do. Slow down your pace so that you can pay attention to your purpose. Because your pace is undermining your important pursuits that are most important to you. You're undermining your family. You're undermining your children. You're undermining your future. So slow it down and pay attention to your purpose. And this is what it says. It says, Moses listened to his father-in-law and, and did everything he said. And you know what you call that? Wisdom. Wisdom. Jethro could see something in Moses' life that Moses couldn't see. And Jethro says, you need to change. You, you, you need to decide to do some things different. Because if not, it's going to be bad for you. It's going to be bad for your family. It's going to be bad for the people around you. So, so you got to slow down your pace. Because if not, you're going to end up spending your days neglecting your purpose. So here we are at the end of the series. And if you've been here for multiple weeks or whether you've just been here for one week, perhaps God has been whispering to you. Perhaps God is nudging you to say, oh my gosh, that's me, that's us. The parts of my life are so frustrating to me because I have failed to see how the parts of my life are connected to the purpose of my life. The purpose of my life is to love God, love people, make disciples. I get to do that as a dad. I get the opportunity to raise men of God, men that will maybe one day marry and become better husbands than I ever thought I could be and better dad than ever I thought I could be. I'm a husband. I get to love God, love people, and I get to make disciples as, as a husband. I get to be married and I, that's a part of my life and it's married to my purpose and this is incredible and I get to go to work and that's part of it. And I get to see people and what I do and my job allows me to touch people that other people would never have an opportunity to touch or talk to. And oh my gosh, the parts of my life now make sense because they're connected to the purpose of my life. And maybe today you're realizing you've been living life and the parts have just gotten lost in the pace and your purpose is nowhere to be found. So the big idea is don't outpace your purpose. Don't outpace your purpose. What do you need to start doing? What do you need to stop doing? What do you need to do more of or do less of? Less of? Are you giving your life to the parts, but not to the purpose? Are you giving your life to the secondary things and neglecting the primary things? Are you so busy that you can't talk to God? Are you so busy you don't have time to read his word? Are you so busy that you don't have time to try to influence and love those far from God? Have you gotten so busy you can't serve in your local church? 
Have you gotten so busy? You've actually been living without purpose? Jesus said there was a wise man and a foolish man. One listened and he built his house on the rock. And in the end, when the storms and all the parts of life came, his house, his family survived. But the one who refused to to change, to listen, to alter, great was the destruction of that house. Moses at the end of his life said, I set before you life and death, choose life. And I would say to you, choose life. Choose life eternal and choose life extraordinary. Decide what you need to start doing different with your marbles. Make sure you don't outpace your purpose. Father, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Some of us are here today. And again, our best next step is to follow you, to give our heart and our life to you. For some of us, we're too busy to date in our marriages. We're too busy to pour into our sons and daughters. God, for some of us, we're just, we're just going through life and we're so caught up that we've been neglecting the purpose of our life. God, I pray that today will be the, the first day of the rest of our life, that God will wake up and we'll understand that every part of our life, it goes back, it's connected to the purpose that you have created us for, the purpose that you've allowed us to wake up for on that day. And now every part has significance and every part has meaning. Father, I pray that you'll help us to see our days differently. And I pray it in Jesus' name and everybody said.